Hey, you're on the right podcast. Don't change channels. I know there's a lot of choice out there, and we're but a minnow in the huge ocean of podcast listening. But keep on listening because this is episode two of the songwriting series on The Writer Show. I'm Jeff Hughes. If you're new to the podcast, we talk to writers about writing and publishing. And there's some quality talent we do talk to in the back catalogue. Don't believe me? Just check out our website, thewritersshow.com. You can get all the episodes with full show notes and links. But enough about me. Let's talk about songwriting. This season, we're talking to songwriters. Dan Hopkins is an independent songwriter, musician, bluesman and producer who lives off the grid on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, Australia. His new album, A Different Economy, has currently reached 18 on the Australian Roots and Blues charts. And I talked to Dan about songwriting, blues and his new album, Different Economy. Let's go. Okay, you want me to go back right to the start? I um, so I don't know this, but my 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 mum is um, Vietnamese Cambodian, and so I was born in Vietnam um, in '73, and I was born to an Australian father because. My father wasn't over there serving in the army. He was there selling cars for U.S. General Motors um, in Saigon when he met my mum. And um, he loved it over there. So he stayed over there for, I think, 11 years. Um, he got over there in 61 and came back in 73 to sponsor us out to Australia just after I was born. So that's where it started for me. <laughs> and then we wound up in Avalon, I think <laughs> for a while. And then, and then, um, yeah. And then I was, you know, then we were Eastern suburbs and then Southern. Um, and then I spent the best part of my life in, in and around Sydney until I saw the light and came up here, Jeff. So I, I got to go back and travel in I did some travel over there in 2000 at the cusp of 2008 and 2009 and I got to experience and, and witness the country that I came I was born in and it was actually a very surreal experience getting off that plane there was just an uncanny feeling of I don't know what but if I had to say 
have I been here before? <laughs> yeah. Um, as I was, you know, getting my head around, you know, all the people, all the cab drivers coming at me saying. So we were you involved in music? At, you went, went to Avalon High School? No, look, we see the thing was is is that um, the relationship between my mum and didn't, my old man didn't work out after about five years. So she, um, within a period of time, she met somebody else that she went in the business with, and they bought they bought a French a Swiss a, a, they bought a cake shop. My stepfather was a Swiss patissier, and. Um, he so and they bought a they bought a cake shop they bought an old australian cake shop in 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 um rosebury and turned it into a um authentic swiss patissiere and that's i grew up in the eastern suburbs and thought for a period of time for growing up that that's the only place that existed on the planet and um my first um ambition was to to become a professional tennis player so i so through 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 late primary and um high school i i was uh i was a competing tennis junior tennis player and so my i loved music but I, i only really played air guitar up until i was about 18 and then a mate who was learning guitar, he gave up. He said, look, my fingers are too big. Do you want to have a go at this thing? And by this stage, I had another mate that showed me a few churchy chords and um, I was a bit of a headbanger back then. Um, And that's where it went from the air guitar to an actual guitar. And I thought, oh, I love this. Ah, So so late start, did you actually have any heavy metal bands or you you just liked the style? Um, I, it was, I listened to, you know, I, I was influenced by, um, my sister first up, she was listening to a lot of Motown and, and, um, and at that stage, I, you know, as a 10 year old, I wanted to be a break, break, we were in a little break dance crew. And so I was into all that sort of stuff for a while, you know, the, the sort of early eighties hip hop and stuff like that. And, and um, then I went, then when I got into my tennis, the guy that was our coach, we would travel to um, to Bush regional tennis tournaments. So it would be seven, eight, nine hours in a car. And I just remember him blasting his mixtapes through his Voxon cassette deck um, in his Valiant. And I was getting an education in Zappa, Lou Reed, Bowie and Zeppelin and and I just went, you know, Alice Cooper, and I just went, oh, you know, I could not wait for the next tennis tournament. It wasn't to hit the tennis balls, it was to get in the car and listen to those mixed tapes. Turned up to 11, you know. And um, Neil Young and, and Crazy Horse and, and um, Akadaka. And, and so there was my favourites in amongst those kinds of things. Um Zappa's Shake Your Booty album was just like incredibly like was just surreal. It was just an experience to be in a car listening to that stuff, you know, um, amongst heaps of others. And and so 
you know, and then I, then I turned 15 and I was in high school and a mate flicked me a cassette and, and um, it was Metallica master of puppets. And I just went, it battered my head. And I thought, holy shit, this is the, this is the stuff, you know? So I went down that route route for the next, you know, half a dozen years. And, um, and then I, I think I was about 25 and I stumbled upon Ben Harper because I wasn't so, uh, let's put it this way, you know, um, I didn't need that aggression and loud aggressive music in my ears constantly anymore. <laughs> um, I still enjoyed it, but it wasn't a daily thing anymore. But, but I, I discovered Ben Harper and I thought, he's got the same sort of attitude of all the music that I've loved, but he's brought this whole new level of, I couldn't put my finger on it, but then I started, then he was referring to the old blues guys and he was, you know, he just was talking about all these influences that, that sort of went, Oh, okay. So it was, and then mates were throwing me guys I was jamming with would throw me CDs of lightning Hopkins or, muddy waters or something and and I thought okay I think I'm starting to get the idea I'm either going to go post I'm either going to try and be ahead of the game and see what's coming next in terms of post you know because you've got post punk and post rock and roll and post modern world and all this yeah yeah and it's like or go back and find out what they did a lot so I'm listening to Metallica, but I'm, people would say, oh, yeah, but all that stuff's bluesy, pentatonic, bluesy-based stuff. And it's like, man, Metallica sounds nothing like a 12-bar blues. <laughs> but when you do scale it back, you do go, okay, well, you go back to B.B. Um, um, King and, or you go back to Chuck Berry or something, and then you start to see the the lineage of of um, American rock and roll right back to Robert Johnson. So that's been my thing is to try and keep that at the forefront to, of, of my approach is to be diving into the well of the older music, I guess, is and, and have that try and be of influence to the music that I try and create, you know. And, of course, um creating music is what you've done <clears throat> you've got a brand new album out different economy which is one of my favorites on high rotation talk talking about your influence on becoming a songwriter what was the event that made you go yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a go i'm gonna try and write my own music so the first couple of bands i was in i was sort of the guy telling the singer how i wanted things to be sung and and I was kind of the guy telling the drummer, no, I want you to hit the crash there, you know, not there, you know. And one of the last things I ever thought I'd do was actually have a go at singing. But, you know, I started writing lyrics and and handing them to the guy that was singing and, 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 um, and then not really doing it the way I was hearing it, you know. Yeah. And so I thought every now and again I kind of in the shower and I thought or you know driving down the road with the CD player on and singing along 
And when I was really relaxed around other people who happened to be there, I thought I can nearly hold a tune, nearly, you know. Every now and again, I'd find the little zone. I'd go, yeah, yeah, I can really, I think I'm really doing okay here, you know. And and so it was just acoustic guitar, humming melodies, and then eventually, it took me ages actually, took me years to find a way to actually finish writing a song. I couldn't finish writing songs. I don't know what other people's journeys are like, but I, I really wanted to, but I couldn't. I didn't know how. It was like, it was nearly like impossible. And what was your breakthrough? How 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 did you find out? What, what method did you discover to push through and, and write a complete song? I started going to some workshops. There was a space in Parramatta probably about 15 years ago now. And it was a really cool, like we used to hang there. It was a great social for us, you know, and, and, and it was not the pub. It wasn't, it was, it was two levels and it was a cafe, but it was, it was very unique to the, to, to the air in Parramatta it was on Church Street and it and it would hold it, w- it had an art music space upstairs and then it had groups it had like music groups and art groups and stuff like that so a mate of mine he's actually the guy that's produced my recordings he he lives up this way now in Valor but they were down in the mountains um but I met him at that cafe and he was he put on a um an afternoon once a month on a sunday called western fringe and each month there'd be a feature act and then a music industry expert come in and do a tour on some aspect of the industry and sometimes it would be a songwriting workshop so i started taking notes and slowly but surely fronting up to some opportunities to play these new songs you know that now actually had a start, a middle and a finish, you know, or that was something that was a little bit more interesting than a very samey sounding thing all the way through, you know. Yeah, and I guess it just demystified the process a lot for me. I, I mean, I just thought I've listened to so much music. How can I, how, how is it that I can't find a way to say what I want to say and finish it, you know? Um but it was, I got to see that, you know, I was missing some elements of, I guess, the craft. And I didn't understand that it's about, often it's about being clear on what you're trying to say. It's like there's, I'm painting a picture, but I'm not using paint and a canvas. I'm using sound and word and lyric. So, but, but what I want at the end of a song is a picture and for somebody to listen to it and go, okay, well, I get what that is. And they may or may not like it, but at least they get what it is. It's a thing. Whereas when you can't, when you're stuck and you can't, and, and this is what was my experience, I was stuck. I didn't, you'd hit these roadblocks and you just wouldn't know what, where to go next. So this little, little great you got this little riff that goes with this bunch of lyrics on a napkin that you've shoved into a folder somewhere, but you never get around to finishing it because you can't bear to look at the brick wall that's in front of you because you don't know how to climb over it. How do you climb over that brick wall? The the latter is, is there's a, okay. There's a couple of go, go to things that are coming to me. Sometimes it's about pause, 
pausing and going back to it later. But if if you go back to it later and there's still no flow, um, I've got to look at, you know, I've got to look at where the blockage might be. Is it is it a blockage in the lyric? I don't know what to say, literally say next. Or is there a blockage in the music as in, look, it needs another part. I just don't know what part it needs. Or my head's telling me it needs another part because it needs to be more complicated than it is. But if you look at the songs of history, there's so many songs that are just completely the antithesis of that. They're so uncomplicated, which which is its beauty. So I've got to be open. Like I found that I need to be open to asking a series of questions that help me make a decision. Essentially, I think anything is a process of making decisions. So when I stop making decisions and acting on them, I stop moving forward. And that's got to go with just about most things I can think of, right? So if I'm stuck at that brick wall, I have a decision to make. I have some questions that need to be presented as in, okay, are are you in touch with what you're actually trying to say or you just like the idea that this is a song? Because I really, I can't move forward on a song unless something hits me in the gut, but there's got to be some reason for me to to finish saying what I've started saying. And it's got to be important enough for me to start asking some questions. And I think those questions are going to involve having some understanding of the craft. And, and it's, so when we talk about craft, it's like song format. Is it going to be like a knocking on heaven's door style song where it's, or a born in the USA style song where the, the, the verse and the chorus, they're the same chord progression and I just scream the, the 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 chorus, and that's the effect. And I just say a simple line: "Born in the USA," five times, and drive that point home. And then go back and tell my story in the verses, and then hit them again with why I'm singing that hook, that chorus. Because if that's if once I'm clear that that's what I need to do to get my message across, is simply that then I can climb that brick wall. I can get that ladder up against up against the right wall rather than go, oh, yeah, but it needs a fancy middle eight with some jazz chords in there. Like that would wreck that song born in the USA. Imagine he went into a 12-8 time midsection <laughs> of born in the USA, you know, and all the horns came out. It would, that's not what the song was for, right? But van morrison's astral weeks totally defies all these categories so it was using a different um um paradigm parrot um the goalposts are in a different spot we're not trying to write a song that's three minute radio worthy we're trying to do this movement thing Pink Floyd, where a whole album, whole side, one song last, or Billy the Mountain, Frank Zappa, it's the whole side is, it, it's it's more, rather than being a song, it's more of a movement. 
you know, so it's being clear on, but when I'm, when I'm thinking I'm writing a pop song, but I want it to be a movement, then they're fighting. And when they're fighting, that's when I don't seem to be able to get through or over that brick wall. Yeah. Cause I can't make a, I can't commit. I can't say, no, this is what it is. You know, I'll write a song where I'll go, look, I'll set some rules up. Perhaps I'll go, look, it needs a pre-chorus and a punchy chorus. You know, so there's, yeah, there's angles to work with, but they're some of the ones I've found that help me um, execute a song from start to finish a bit more regularly than I once did. What's your approach to writing lyrics? I've spoken to a lot of novelists writing everything from uh, literary fiction to pulp fiction. The workflow they have, there's a lot of similarities in it. It's like working through a draft, coming back to the draft, sometimes putting the draft in the drawer, coming back after a year, working on it, editing it, and then going, that's the that's the finished thing. Do you feel writing songs is is, is similar? Did, how do you know it's finished? Yeah, it's a, look, it's it's a great question. My go-to the first thing that comes to mind is the thing that's helped me to focus the song a song the most is writing from a title. It's a um, it's a thing they talk about as far as I understand, all the time in Nashville is, is um, they come up with a title and I keep a running list of titles. So I might be in the car driving along and something comes to me or I heard somebody say something and I think, sweet, three words. Yeah. You know, stranger than fiction. We're the dying breed. Or, you know, whatever. They're just things I'm making up on the spot, you know. But it's it's gotta it's gotta sort of hit me down here somewhere enough for me to make the effort to write it down. And once I've got that title, it's nearly like a container of sorts that helps me. And a real example, and this is an example of one of the songs on my different economy album, is as per usual, I'll, I'll have a musical idea first. It doesn't really matter whether it's the chicken or the egg, but for me, it's predominantly the music comes first. And, and so this partic- there's a particular song on the album called Strange Land. And I liked the thing I was doing musically, the chord progression and the way I was doing it. I thought, look, I'll, that's a keeper. And I was working on that for a series of weeks, if not one or two months. And I was vegging out in front of the TV and there was a movie on, it's an old Aussie movie called um, that Nicole Kidman and who's that other fellow? Um, Sam Neill. Okay. And I watched this whole movie. It was like, you know, and I was just half tired and I was playing the, I was just riffing out on this, on this musical idea that I had. And then the movie comes on and it's called Stranger Land, Stranger Land. It's an Australian flick. And I still haven't watched the movie properly because it just happened to be on with the volume down. 
and it jumped out at me and I turned that into strange land. And this was at the time when, you know, another bunch of poor people were shot up by some crazy in, in the US and we'd been going through all these fires and, you know, and, and I thought, gee, it's a strange land we live in. And so that that's the essence of what the songs, yeah. you know, a little bit more dramatic, you know, a little bit heavier topic matter, but, but the idea, you know, and then the chorus ideas coming to me don't want to be living in this strange land. I can't even remember, you know, I've got to get the guitar to remember my lyrics. This is weird. Um, <laughs> but I was able, but I was, I was able to build my story off that title and it just, it's just such a go-to. Now, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but it's like 98% of the time I'm writing from a title because it's, it's, it's like it's a container. It, it contains. And then I, here's a thing that I've discovered for myself. I'm not sure if anyone else says it this way. But I've found that songs have their own inbuilt set of rules. And it's nearly like once you start this process with songwriting, it's like you've got to let it lead you. Yeah. Because you can shove a chord in there and it fits. How many? I'm sure you've done this, Jeff. You know it fits, but you know sucks <laughs> you shove a chord that works but it ain't the chord that's making the song better it, you're not feeling yeah. it yeah yeah right so what i've started going well if that's the case you don't you just don't settle it's telling you that chord's not the right one and it is not good enough what you're trying to do here and you listen to that it's and because it's the thing that's telling you try something else. Well, you say would be your the biggest influence on your songwriting. You know, that's a hard, hard question for me. I always <laughs> feel a little bit I always feel a little bit guilty that I don't study other songwriters' lyrics enough. Say I'm listening to um James Bennett or something. And I can just hear Dylan all the way, like, so, you know, like, and it's great. I mean, it's, I think it's beautiful to really, I think Dylan set, sets a, has set a, a benchmark and a yardstick that when you can hear those sorts of influences in a song, they're only going to help you. I'm not, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking very differently from trying to clone someone. I don't think that's what James is doing. You can just hear, and I feel I feel somewhat like that's an area where I could put more time. It's like I really like Paul Kelly, and I've said on my blurb I'm influenced by Paul Kelly, but I don't think I'm like Paul Kelly at all. <laughs> I tell people I'm a bit like Paul Kelly, but I might need to revise that, you know, and. But I think as far as a lyricist, I mean, I think he's like Australia's Bob Dylan, you know. Well, he is. He's, he, he's a superb storyteller, Paul Kelly. You can take, you can take any, any lyric of his and it's just a little, just a little story. I, I love the I, short films, absolutely. I, I, 
I aspire to, if, if anybody, don't know if they have yet, I can't recall off the top of my head, anyone's come up to me and said, man, that was just like a little movie. Um, I would be chuffed, you know, because that would be indicating to me that I'm really on the right track. You know, I'm really, they're not only hearing what I'm saying, they're seeing what I'm saying. I think there's there's I think there's ways to go for me in that department. But you know, I think I paint decent images with my with with my you know with what I construct lyrically. Um, um, I just wonder if if there's any particular definite tradition that's comes out of my lyrics. I kind of wonder it's hard you know they're my lyrics so it's hard to know what others unless other people are telling me I guess but I, I guess I get us I'm very influenced by you know what something can sound like you know like the idea of the voice being I don't think I'm a great singer I think I sing well you know and I always feel a little bit Ah, oh, gee, I wish I was a better singer, you know. And and I I I I do some vocal training and stuff to keep lifting, keep raising my game. But I've also got to realise that you don't have to be, you don't have to sing as well as Whitney Houston when she was was singing well. Um, to to um to to be an effective vocalist. So I'm getting, so I keep dodging the lyrical, <laughs> what, what influences me lyrically. The biggest, the, the biggest influence, the answer to that, the answer to that, Jeff, is probably my own experiences. That certainly shines through on um, your album, Different Economy, which I had another listen to last night when we're talking about storytelling being an influence on your songwriting, I think it shines through on that album because they, they are short stories. They are little vignettes. It's, um, it is a golden thread running through that album. So I think you are achieving that storytelling tradition of the old blues guys, I guess, and taking it forward yeah. in a different direction. I, I it's thanks for that feedback, you know, because when I made this conscious decision to be more blues oriented, I said to myself, you know, there's strength in eclecticism, but you can be eclectic within a narrower domain. I think I'm fairly eclectic within the blues domain. As you know, because we do some lap slide stuff and we do some stuff that's kind of hopefully reminiscent of the real early day blues stuff. And then we got stuff that's a little bit more, is more sort of Ben Harper, Xavier. I think different economies, more my Ben Harper, Xavier Rudd side of me. And, and then you've got like, a, I, I, I don't know if anyone hears it or not, but I was very Keb Moe influenced when I wrote one of those songs um, called Look at Us Now. But I don't have a song that that is the standard blues thing where it's like, woke up, not that I'm going to say woke up this morning, it's just an example, you know, where I say the line, repeat the line, and then I have a revolving third line. 
that you know what I mean. Um, walking blues. Woke up this morning, you know. Yeah. Again, uh, without a guitar in my hand, I'm hopeless with lyrics, you know. And they they say that's the standard approach to writing a twelve bar blues song is line, repeat the line, third line resolve with a rhyming third line. The last word is a rhyme with the first two lines. Yeah. And it's nearly like, it's nearly like, ah, don't do that. It's been done to death. Whereas I've got a couple of new song ideas where it's like I'm making a point of writing a more traditional type blues song that does, that's all it does. Say the line, repeat the line, have a resolving third line. And, and that those guys pack so much emotional content in that approach, I think that's the challenge in itself to perhaps have a go at using a tried and tested formula, so to speak. And yeah, but I've avoided that to this point. So <laughs> that's um, it helps to have guardrails, I guess. So when you, if you if you're writing to a genre, in terms of writing novels, like you're writing, you could be a genre writer, so you're writing science fiction or romance, there's certain guidelines on that. But there's also the freedom to mash that up. Like there's no reason there can't be a romance in a science fiction story or a horror story or, you know, it's still following those guidelines. But, you know, whereas I suppose literary fiction is like freeform jazz, you know, anything goes. (laughs) So with blues, yeah, yeah. You, you got your guidelines there, and it's there's a there's a whole lot of freedom writing within that. And when you were talking earlier about guidelines, Paul Kelly, if, for example, what strikes me about him whenever you, whenever you hear a new Paul Kelly song, it's always a great song, but pretty much the same format. He's he's been using the same band for years same engineer every song's got the same sound it's, it's all there but every song's completely different within within those constraints so that's constraints, yeah, I yeah. guess having constraints is a good thing having guardrails that makes sense it does it makes heaps of sense i think for me it was a big deal getting the album out because i did an ep in 2010 mm-hmm. And then I did a, a couple of songs that landed on like an EP format in 2014 and the album was released and Different Economy was released in 2020. So one way of describing it for me is this painstaking journey to get my ducks lined up to get yeah. to the point where I've got 10 songs on the album. It was just like it was the longest childbirthing of you know, it's felt like it was, but it had to happen for me because I could just go, okay, um, that's a relief. I've done it. I've done it, you know? And so now, because you're going through all these things, right? Oh, is it actually going to sound any good? Is anyone, is it going to, you know, all there's a million and one, there's 101 things going on. Um, in terms of what I need to resolve so that I can keep moving forward. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. 
because you can you can get stuck on should it be a fourteen song album or a nine song album? Yeah. And if you can if you get stuck on if you get stuck on that, but you're stuck on something that's really just make your mind up, move on, or should this song be on? Those songs are like that, but I got this song over here. Does that fit? Like, and you're wondering about all this. But I think what I'm trying to say is you're not going to know what writing your fourth album's like until you've written the first three. Yeah. So, you know, I definitely endeavour to keep putting an album out every year or two from here on in now that I've got some kind of template that I've finally worked out. Um, But by my fourth album, there'll be different questions because I'll have had the experience from the first three, you know, I might, there was something hit me the other day. I thought I really loved that band Porter's head. I, I used to listen to it every blue yeah. moon back in the nineties. You saw that post I put up that day. And yeah, I thought she's to myself, got a great voice. what if I wrote, yeah. And I thought, I thought to myself outside of the genre of broad blues, I thought, what else would it? What else would I like to experiment with? And I thought to myself, man, what if I threw a trip trip hop song on my blues album? Like, there's just one song in there that just stands out as something completely different, and it's trip hoppy, you know. But I think you build into the car, you build the courage to do that sort of stuff with. You know, on that first album, I'm nowhere near any of that kind of thing. I just got to punch 10 songs out and get this out there, right? But I'm thinking, you know, come the second album, I'm going to be, I'm ready to try a few new things. I don't want to do what I've already done. So I want to, you know, I'm really into study, you know, reading up on vintage recording techniques. And I'm thinking to myself, what if this track sounded like it came straight out of the early 70s? That'd be cool, you know? So I'm finding the right plug-in. I'm finding the plug-in that gives it that type of reverb you know, when it's like analog sound. Yeah. Straight out of an Ampeg half inch two track. Yeah, exactly. So the, the album Different Economy, um, you've had you've had a checkered history trying to launch that with COVID. Um, it's been must be very frustrating. The inspiration for that album, have any particular inspiration or uh, as you've already discussed, it's just that that was the end point of of getting 10 good songs together and putting it as an album did you have the concept yeah, of a different economy because i know you live off off the grid you you do you do live a different economy lifestyle was was that the, was it a kind of a concept album what happened for me was that there's some songs on the album that are pretty old they're like they're five or six years old and then there's a couple of newer ones and because i was it's taken, it took that long for me to get from my last professional recording to this new one. I thought I'm there thinking, do I write a whole just, because some of these, some of the older songs, they just felt as if, but that's not who I am today. But I thought, but they still need to be recorded because they meant something to me once upon a time, you know, not that they don't mean anything to me now, but it's like, so I had these older songs I, I, I always knew I wanted to throw a few old blues covers on there, you know, stuff I've cut my teeth on. Yeah. And then there was a couple of new ones. So by this stage, I've got about eight or nine songs. 
And there's a few others that didn't make the cut on this particular project. But I thought to myself, I need one song to tie it all together because there's a song on there called Back to the Smoke and it is about breathing too much smog in the city. There is another song called Look at Us Now and it's about, you know, you know, raising a young family, growing veggies. And, and, then, and then again, like I had the lap slide on. I knew, I knew I wanted to get at least one more lap slide song on the album and so the, the the riff was fairly simple i came up with it and i was jamming on it for a while until i started singing the chorus living on a different economy where the veggies taste good and electricity's free and i thought electricity i thought when I sang electricity it didn't until i massaged the syllables to go with fit in right you know, living on a different economy where the veggies taste good and electricity is free. So I'm, ne- I'm nearly saying electricity instead of electricity because it's yeah. just one short syllable that helps it groove along better. And I went, that's it. I just need, Ooh. this is my repetitive, my repetitive one-line hooky chorus that's going to tie my whole album together and that's what we're going to call the album. And then I, I started constructing the verses. But once I had that... Once I had the um, chorus, I just knew that that was the title track of the album. I don't necessarily think it's the best song on the album, but I I think as far as trying to tie the thing together, I think it's pretty cool if anyone ever thinks it's got a bit of a concept-y thing to it because I love the old concept albums, Yeah, you know. I dig Rod Waters and I dig... um, Tommy and that and and um there's some there's some definite concept albums I always go back to. So if there's any of that kind of thing, I'll I'll not balk at receiving that as a as a um <laughs> an inference. Yeah, that's the story of the title track anyway, Jeff. So um it's out there, you've done it. Congratulations. But what what are your plans for next year? Like we in 2020, who'd have thought we'd still be locked down in 2021? It looks like things will be sort of getting back to normal next year. So what are your plans? New album? Yeah, there's enough. I'm getting close to enough songs for a new album. I'm piecing together um, how I want to approach recording it, as in maybe not too different to how we did the last one, but maybe a little bit different, you know, maybe, um, you know, things I'm thinking of is, is recording the whole thing live and then overdubbing guitar parts and vocals the old school way, you know, getting a really live sound and feel. That's definitely something I want to do with, with, um, with one of my albums that I will write. I plan to write one day. Whether it's this album or not, I'm not sure. I think because we haven't been getting together as a band, you know, if we went into the studio next month, I wouldn't be happy with that because we haven't been playing enough lately. But if you record track by track, you can just take as long as you need to to get the parts right. So I'm I'm leaning toward maybe doing some guide tracks. As a matter of fact, Chris, our bass player, said, how about, you know, since we're all locked down, maybe start cooking on some of those um on some of those newies and um i said yeah that's that's 
that's what I'm slowly getting around to doing. And um, and he's got, you know, I can see, you know what it's like today. You can just send it over email and make him whack their part on. At least get some demos up. And um, but I think this time round, definitely a little being a little bit more um, experimental and involved with getting the right drum sound. Yeah. Whether it's a bonomy type sound for some of the stuff, or whether it's real simple 60s sounding shit i reckon it's all pretty cool like what i'm definitely stuck on is retro i love the idea of sounding old like i want it to be dripping with vintage you know yeah which means okay have i got the right gear and yeah all that sort of stuff sounds like something to look forward to we might wrap it up there i'm just going to ask you one more what 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 advice would you give to new young emerging songwriters what's the one one bit of advice uh, you'd give dan hopkins look i'll i'll speak for for from somebody who's like really you know it's taken i'm an older bloke um you know reaching some goals that i've always dreamed of like you know like that thing where we we the album got to number eight so far as number 18 on the Australian blues and roots charts. I'm thinking that made my, that made my week, you know, my year because I'm, I wasn't expecting, you know, know, when you expect something and then if you don't get it, you're disappointed. So I wasn't expecting it to, I thought, look, you know, I'd, I'd like to think the second or third album would crack, crack those sorts of get that sort of recognition. But, I was just, that was a real, um, like, it's really encouraging. It, it's telling me I'm on the right track. And if I keep doing what, I, what I'm what i doing, I'll, I'll only improve and I'll only, you know, um, continue finding my own voice as a songwriter, you know. And so having said that, I guess if it's happening for me, it can happen for you, <laughs> you know. Um, but if there's three things I've stuck with my whole life, you know, cause I've been very cons- inconsistent with most things. One is breathing. I've, I've been very consistent in, I think you have too, considering you're still here. Breathing is something I've done very consistently. <laughs> <laughs> e- eating food, you know, and um, trying to write songs. You know, it's something that's, in the last 20 years, there's never been a time where I haven't been, you know, it might be more so at other times than other times, but there's always something on the boil. I guess if you if you just keep, you got to be conscientious. You can't just be honing something that's, you know, if there's a brick wall there, you're going to have to find a way to climb it or get around it. But trust that there is a, there'll, there'll be a way, you know. Well, it's been great talking to you, Dan. And uh, good luck with that next album. I can't wait to hear it. And can't wait to see you back out there on the uh, front lines. Yeah, you too, mate. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's getting a bit long in the tooth. All of this, all of this. So I definitely hope to, you know, catch up in person and and get out there doing what you know. I know you and I both love and absolutely, yeah. No, thanks, thanks heaps, man, for the invite. And it's been a lot of fun and and. And uh, I really appreciate you consider, considering me to 
having me on the podcast, mate. Thank you. I sweat. That's Dan Hopkins. Different Economy is available on Apple Music and Spotify, and you can get CD direct from danhopkinsmusic.com. Of course, check out the show notes for this episode on our website, thewritersshow.com. This episode has been sponsored by Madhouse Media Publishing. To publish your book, you'll need help, so schedule a free 20-minute Q&A. We'll answer all your questions about self-publishing. Just call the experts at Madhouse Media Publishing on 1300 402 526. That's it from me. I'm Jeff Hughes. Keep creative. Talk to you real soon.